Uh, I want cheese. I'm really hungry. <gasps> oh my god, I ate cheese for breakfast. Yum! <laughs> and it was so <laughs> yum, 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 yum. I think cheese is perfect for any time of the day. I love cheese. Cheese is life. Cheese is is my love. Cheese is everything. Cheese is everything to me too. Hi everyone, this is Harjeet and in our virtual studio we have Lean and Margot. We are talking hey. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Um so our topic is professionalism. I hope you all tuned into part one um, where we talked about professional behavior. And then today we wanted to talk a little bit more about another part of professionalism that is often spoken about, which is a dress code. We all love fashion. Yes. (laughs) Fashion is life. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, let's get into it. Oh my gosh, so much to say. And also, I think we did talk a little bit about this in season one when we talked about dressing for interviews and how... There's so many options with so much stress in like deciding what to freaking wear and how unfair that is. And I think this ties perfectly into this idea of professionalism that there is an expectation of appearances, especially for women or femme identifying people to wonder what you're going to wear and like how to fit into that box. Because the truth is the system was not designed with women in mind. It was like at one point it was illegal for women to even wear pants. And so like, oh my gosh, there's just so much to talk about. (laughs) Like so much. For me, the dress code in medicine is really rooted in elitism, right? Like I think we're expected to wear suits or look quote unquote nice and professional is a way to set us aside as being the educated doctor in the room but it's like your patient knows they're the patient and they know you're the doctor like you don't need to be wearing this stuff to signify that but I really do think it's just it's rooted in elitism I don't know how you guys feel about dress codes but I 100% like agree with that Margot it's really a way to separate yourself from quote-unquote the common people and make yourself seem you know like separate from rather than it goes away from the team aspect of what I think real professionalism is, right? I also have been thinking a lot about how expensive it is to dress nicely. Who can afford that? If you're like a first generation like immigrant or even not an immigrant and just don't have money to go to medical school and you're living off of loans, how will you buy the stuff that makes you quote unquote professional, right? Right. Because that's expensive. Right. So true. I think the dress code in medicine is definitely shifting. I think it's shifting to the fact that, you know, less people are wearing white coats. I mean, we have other ways of identifying who's a doctor, who's, you know, part of which team member, which and which. But I've noticed, I think the dress code is increasing maybe more um, subjectively for women in medicine, I think oftentimes we find ourselves having to dress more professional for people to recognize us as their, you know, their doctor. Um, I have my attendings who will wear white coats and it's just to differentiate them so that their patients know that they're the attending doctor and they're not stereotypically what patients would think as like their nurse or their, you know, aide or anything like that. But I think in general, I don't know 
Have you ever seen those photos of like old 1800 like doctors and they look like birds pretty much? I'm <laughs> yeah. thinking like, how did we get from that professional standard to this professional standard? And then I think it all kind of stems from like, you know, this button up jacket, suit, whatever. You know, when you say elitism, there's all this fashion stems from they would be like the elitist in like European culture, how they used to dress compared to the rest, right? Like that's the way bow ties and all those things came about as well, right? We need to be able to separate the fact of professionalism dress and elitism versus like identifiers of who we are in the team this is one part of professionalism that i think is being like you see a shift and a change i think people are more and more comfortable being unique and being themselves and dressing the way they want to but i think again it's that like apprehension because we've been socialized to think like professionalism has these categories so we have to dress a certain way right and going back to the thought process Process that if you showing up to see your patient and you like focusing on their health should have nothing to do with the way you're dressing up. I think it's just another way for people to, you know, are in positions of power to utilize. It's just another thing to utilize to ding people and like make them feel like, oh, man, I have to dress a certain way. Otherwise, I'm going to get in trouble. This is just another characteristic of professionalism. Like I have said in the episode before that people utilize as a form of punishment. Also, I think how infuriating is it that we have to as women or femme presenting people have to feel like we have to wear a white coat or dress up and wear clothes that are probably uncomfortable for us to designate that we're a physician to overcome implicit bias of society that women cannot be doctors. I think that challenging not only the dress code, but that idea is also helping break down the barriers because like you said, Harji, like what we're wearing should have no bearing on how we're treating our patients. So I, I will ask the question, like, would you guys ever wear jeans to clinic? And I think this came up in med school too. I would. I would. I wear black jeans to clinic all the time. Yeah, but like blue But jeans. I guess black jeans, they kind of look professional because I am, I'll be honest, I was still scared. Yeah, like same. as a med student, I mean, we're talking about like, this is the way we want the world to be. But the truth is, I've been scared to do a million things because I'm scared. Like, is this going to be seen as professional? Not even is this professional or not, but is this going to be seen as professional? Because I don't want to get in trouble. Right. right. I don't want to have another reason for people to be upset with me. But yeah, I hope in the future I'll start wearing jeans. I've like started wearing hoops to work, which I'm really excited about. And I try to wear like colorful dresses and things like that. I want my patients to be treated by a person, right? Not a robot. Like I want them to know who I am. Like this is Dr. Core. You know, this is her personality. I hope to be a little bit more myself so that I can dress the way that I want to. But yeah, I want to wear jeans to clinic. Mm -hmm. I've seen it done. There was an attending um, who's a family medicine attending who would always wear jeans to clinic. And I loved it. In terms of identifying or connecting with your patients, I feel like the way you dress is very significant. For instance, you know, if you are wearing hoop earrings, if you are wearing jeans, they're going to feel a lot more down to earth with you. 
And if you walk in there with either, you know, business suit or white coat or whatever. And I think in the emergency department, so this is actually interesting because, I mean, we all wear black scrubs. I love our black scrubs. Don't get me wrong. But the thing is, you know, I've heard from different people like saying, I can't wear a hat, you know, and then we look at our patient population. And honestly, they're, they really don't care if we wear like a cap on our head or so I wear my boots to clinic. I shouldn't say clinic to the emergency room. At the end of the day, it's like it's something that also helps me get confidence. And also, and I mean, and my boots can freaking kick stretchers like nobody's business, right? <laughs> you know, and patients always point out my boots. They'll be like, oh my gosh, I love your boots. They're badass, whatever. It just connects with them versus you walk in and you're totally like the picture of a doctor off of like when Google images it's less of a connecting moment in there. And I think now, even if you want to even take it all the way into the professionalism, capitalism machine, where we care so much about patient ratings, right? If you're Mm -hmm. able to connect with your patients in that short amount in the emergency room, whether they find you um, approachable or not, there you go. There's your rating, right? Right. And honestly, if you're more comfortable, like in those shoes or in the dress that you're wearing, rather than a suit or whatever is deemed professional, you're going to be more able to focus on your patient and like connect with them on a more grounding level as well. I also just wanted to point out that, you know, some people do like wearing pantsuits and, you know, super fancy dresses. And I think the whole point of this conversation is we shouldn't be policing what people wear. We shouldn't be deciding for them what they should be wearing. That has nothing to do, again, with the respect aspect that I think is really tied with what professionalism really means. I agree with that, Harjeet. And something interesting that I've seen on TikTok is fat women. And I use the word fat because that's how they are choosing to identify in the body liberation movement. They have had their skits about them going to HR and HR is essentially saying you shouldn't wear leggings anymore because it doesn't look good on your body. And then it flashes to a non-fat person wearing the exact same thing as the assistant to the HR person and sort of meant to demonstrate how people essentially are fat phobia in professionalism in policing what people are wearing and perpetuating harmful stereotypes and implicit bias that way. So yes, to what you said, Harjit, we should not be policing what people are wearing. And I think that also applies to hair. For me, I've wanted, I had purple hair before medical school. And I think I like really grappled with the idea of wanting to have my hair purple again, but that it was never, it wasn't professional. And so it's something that has come up again for me and I really want to do, but I still am struggling with that. But like, why does having purple hair or pink hair make you unprofessional or any less capable of caring for a patient? I think it comes back to elitism where maybe purple hair or pink hair is associated with not this level of education, doctors and whatever. But like F that, we can totally take care of a patient, whether your hair is purple or black or blue or brown or whatever you want. Actually, I started to notice a trend um, in the last couple years that it's more accepting of colored hair in the professional environment. I don't know if you guys have noticed that or not, but I remember like as a middle schooler or as a high schooler, they'd be like, oh, like you'd get suspended for that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And then I was like nervous in medical school to dye my hair red because I was like, oh, my gosh, maybe they're going to judge me. They're going to think I'm 
less of a professional person, less of an intellect, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, totally. I feel like that's different now. I have so many colleagues who have purple hair and pink hair. And then, you know, and I'm just thinking like, this is awesome. It's definitely like... It makes the population a lot younger in the professional setting. I yeah. <laughs> I really like that you say that because I think it's evolving too. I think this is one area of professionalism that we can learn from, right? Like a lot of people are changing that in the same way that we're changing the way we dress. It's okay to, like I said, speak a certain way, act a certain way, but you're still professional. Mm-hmm. But there always is that fear. Yeah. No, and I think slowly it is changing because I have seen a lot of people in the hospital with, although they are not the attendings or the residents who have the color. Hair. But I had an attending who also had purple hair too. So that's amazing. It's definitely okay. changing. Yeah, no, I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, and that also brings me to think about um, natural black hair and how historically they've been discriminated against when their hair is not conforming to like white European standards of hair and how much pressure they feel and and money they have to spend to do that. And and again, it comes back to what you said, Hardy, let's not police people on what they're wearing or their hairstyle. Um, However they choose to wear their hair, there should be no judgment there and understanding of different preferences and innate like genetic differences in hair as well. Yeah, but it was just like, again, used as another tool to make things harder for certain people from certain populations. And like, I think coming back to that point that professionalism is used as a tool to oppress people. So continue to question whenever that word comes up in whatever context. Yeah. Also, you all remember during the beginning of intern year, I think it was that whole like bikini med or like hashtag med bikini. There was this whole like movement of people showing off whatever they wear during the summer to go swimming. And so I thought that was like a really cool thing to bring up. But I also thought it was so interesting that it became such a big deal. Interesting in the sense that like, obviously, it would become such a big deal because people are so out to like sexualize bodies. Yeah. First of all, there's a lot of like issues with the whole that whole Twitter thread. Do you all remember this? Yeah. And then there was an article in the vascular surgery magazine or something like saying how it's unprofessional, right? Yeah. And that was the, and then. Yeah. And I think it was like for residencies or something. Yeah. And how, so basically how women are femme presenting people in professional jobs should not be posting pictures of themselves in their swimwear, essentially, because A, I think what you said, Harji, women and people are highly sexualized in our society and it doesn't fit to this box of quote unquote professional appearances. And so I think that brings us to our next episode, which is about social media and how we all express our own identities and opinions through social media. And yet many institutions or professional places of work try to censor and claim our social media as their own. And so I think that's a great transition point to our next episode, unless you want to say anything else about the bikinis. Also, just like thinking about that. I remember I was in third year and I was in my surgery rotation and it was clinic day. And I saw one of my classmates who was wearing like this really cute dress. And it was like, you know, what is considered shorter, but she looked super like cute and quote unquote professional in it. 
And I was like thinking to myself if like someone whose like background is more sexualized would have wore that exact same dress, the way that that person would appear in it would be different, right? So that's why I'm saying it's really complicated. It's like a complicated topic. There is a lot of, you know, racism, sexism, and all those things tied into the dress code, which I think we kind of addressed in this episode. Yeah, exactly, Harjeet. Um, So thank you all for listening to this episode about part two about professionalism, specifically dress codes and professionalism. Join us next week for part three, which is about social media and personal expression. Make sure you check us out at Bundle of Hers on Instagram. You can keep the conversation going there and download our episodes anywhere you get down. <laughs> anywhere you get downloads. Download our episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. And here's a sneak peek for next week's episode. Honestly, the biggest issue with professionalism is we are hiding who we are. How are you supposed to be inclusive of all cultures, backgrounds, and everything for our patients? And that's why you're trying to bring us into medicine so that we can be able to connect with those patients, but then try to subdue us into a very uniform way of thinking. Our collective voices can be so powerful on social media and why they try so hard to silence and censor and prevent it from getting out of control in the first place, because there is so much power in it. 